Hello and welcome back to the Schooner Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me, we got Jameson Maxwell and Ty Lee, as always. And folks, we are here to start part one of our two-part roster breakdown. And we are starting with what is honestly the biggest change, I think, for this OU football team. The defense. Speed D is no more. Out with the uh, Alex Grinch, undersized, whatever that was. In with a bit of smash mouth. Brent Venable's defense, and I'm excited to talk about it. It's going to be an interesting transition period, and I think there are a lot of position groups to talk about for sure. This is going to be a longer podcast, but um, Jameson, just overall, before we go deep, deep into the, all this, uh, how, are, how overall, how are you feeling? Do you like the change in philosophy? I do, obviously, because it feels like, the, uh, for the most part, a lot of those guys in Alex Grinch's scheme really didn't catch on to his speed D and you know being in the right place and getting turnovers because we kept badgering the players over and over, turnovers, we need turnovers, turnovers, and we never got any. We we were really, really poor. Weren't we like one of the worst like top 30 teams in the, in the, in the league of not getting turnovers? You know, as one of the premier defensive, I mean, um, D1 teams, like that's kind of embarrassing. And I guarantee you that took a hit on a lot of the guys' confidence that they could not do what the coaches were asking of them. Yeah, and I, I, I seem to remember Ty mentioning it a lot last year about how kind of random turnovers are. So, you know, hanging your hat on that is a bit difficult. But Ty, your, your thoughts on the change in philosophy before we go in depth with uh, everything? For sure. Uh, two points. First point, I can I can tell, Bobby, that you were so excited. Like you said, last year and in the Alex Grinch era, we were just playing with an undersized D. And Bobby, I can tell that you are very excited uh, to be playing with a larger D now. So uh, I want to <laughs> shout out Bobby for that. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Tur- turns out, turns out it actually, t- I'm just saying, l- l- sometimes it actually is about the size rather than what you can do with the, Grinch with the always wanted it a little bit bigger, but unfortunately his partners were always a little bit too small. <laughs> just a little disappointing, you know, they, they when it came to when it came to the moment, they they just never arrived. It never came up. It never came up. Now that's a separate problem. I know. Yeah. I, that's just Goodness. unfortunate. Uh, anyways, when we're talking about the turnovers, though, like I, I don't know if I mentioned this analogy specifically, but having a, a defense that you expect to perform at the level that we were expected to perform, because we're talking about a, a what is supposed to be a perennial playoff team. Having a defense that the entire scheme is predicated on, we're just going to force turnovers. That's like graduating from college and then deciding that your job is going to be just a full-time roulette player. Like it doesn't doesn't make you're never going to go anywhere with that. Like you cannot just keep spinning the the wheel and hoping that you come up with with turnovers on on the. That's not a good thing. That's a good thing to practice and and sort of like a cherry on top, not even the icing on the cake, you know, the sprinkles on top of, of the cake, so to speak, you can't have an entire defense based on, based on that. It just doesn't work. So I am very excited to have a national championship winning style defense back at Oklahoma. Again, that's what we were when we won the championships, uh, all of our most recent championships, which were far too long ago. And that is what we are not necessarily strictly importing from Clemson, but uh, very much importing the the foundation of that Clemson defense that brought them so much success. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's uh, it's a total mentality shift. It's going to be exciting to see. And, you know, Venables has said, look, this is year one. It's not going to, you know, this isn't going to be like my teams at Clemson, but those teams at Clemson weren't that in year one for them either. So it'll be very interesting to see how it pans out. But um, yeah, so let's get into it. Let's start right up front with the trenches, the defensive line. And Jameson, let us know who do we got uh, on the D-line. A lot. Of, well, this is probably the unit with the most amount of turnover after losing Perry on Winfrey and Nick Benito uh, and Isaiah Thomas. Um, so this is going to be a refreshed, different looking uh, defensive line. So let, let's get into it. Who do we got at uh, D-line? Yeah, let's kind of break it down first by what the defense is going to look like just by convi- um, position group. So you can kind of like envision what a Brent Venables and Roof uh, defense kind of looks like. You'll have two defensive ends, one of them kind of in a jack position with two internal defensive tackles. 
Um, then you have two inside linebackers, you know, one weak side and one, you know, middle. And then there'll be what they call a cheetah. Think, you know, like Isaiah Simmons and Clemson obviously made this very, very well known of uh, kind of a do it all outside linebacker slash nickelback hybrid. Um, we're still working on getting the perfect guy for that position, but stay tuned for the rest of the episode if we talk about that cheetah position, um, which would be a really interesting thing to watch throughout the season. And then you got your traditional, you know, cornerback, cornerback, and then strong safety, free safety to get your 11th man on the defense. But let's talk about defensive ends first. Um, right now, looking at it, I would think Reggie Grimes is poised for a big year um, to be the starter at one of those defensive ends. And I think Ethan Downs probably earned the position um, to start at the other defensive end at that kind of jack position. Uh, he is a guy that got sent to media days and Ethan Downs. And it's a guy that the team is really looking up to him, you know, as a strong, hardworking guy that made a lot of good plays last year as a freshman. Um, so even though there's guys like Marcus Strip Stripling, who's now a senior and has showed a lot of good things and the transfer from Hawaii and Jonah Laulu, um, honestly, I think Reggie Grimes and Ethan Downs are your projected defensive ends. Yeah. Wow. That would be pretty big. And, you know, Downs is, I mean, that's uh that's a large individual right there. Um, and you know, it's, you know, we, I, th I think we saw a lot of really good stuff out of Reggie Grimes, especially towards the end of last year as well. So I, that's, that's very exciting. Ty, your thoughts. Uh, no real sort of specific thoughts, but just again, that, that reiteration of the line is, is where it's at arguably maybe the most important position group when you're looking at building a championship team. So it will, uh, obviously Venables is known for his D lines. So like we keep saying year one, or, or I almost like to use the term right now, year, year zero, uh, because we haven't even started. So don't have unrealistic expectations, but this is, this is the spot that I'm most excited about. Yeah. Mm, it's, I it's a huge, huge position. Obviously defensive line is what wins you games. And that's, you know, we saw it with Georgia last year as a championship team, their defensive line was big time. Obviously Jordan Davis being in the middle of it um, was a big deal. Um, we still got a little bit of work to kind of get that star studded defensive line that they do. Um, but even though it's the weakest position on our, um, you know, on our defense, I'd say out of the three levels, this isn't a type of weakness where we've had in the past at OU where it's like, our secondary, the pack maybe like two or three years ago, where it's like I look at that secondary and I'm like, ooh, that could be a huge, huge problem for us in the middle of the season. This defensive line, even though it's the worst, I think, out of the three groups, I still feel pretty confident in. Yeah, just because it's, you know, it's it, it's one of those where, you know, yeah, personnel-wise, it's not quite there. It's a It would have been a transition year if Lincoln stayed. That was just going to happen. But, you know, uh, in terms of coaching staff wise, you know, Miguel Chavis and um, geez, I'm blanking so hard. Oh, my God. Who's our, who's our interior? Bates. Yeah, Todd Bates. Bates. Those two like are as good as it gets coaching wise. So I feel like that kind of offsets some of the personnel. Um, one name I have circled is uh, Jeffrey Johnson, the two lane transfer. Yeah. Let's talk um, defensive tackle with that, Bobby. Yeah, Let's, I, I think that's definitely a guy that we need to talk about. Um, I think he'd be at one of the defensive tackles. And then our best guy on the defensive line would be Jalen Redman. Um, I feel Jalen Redman has the potential to push us to the, where that defensive line isn't the weakest link and can be a pretty strong unit if he makes that next step and becomes a guy who can be a draft pick, you know, a third, fourth, fifth round kind of guy. He has the athleticism, but it seems like he's been in and out of the lineup and he seems he's never really been conditioned for the season because it's something he's always had a hiccup throughout his whole season. But like we always say with defensive line, you need depth because these guys aren't playing every single um, snap. So Jeffrey Johnson's a lot of fun. Obviously I would love to hear what you um, saw from him at in the two lane game. Cause we talked a lot about it last year. And then Isaiah Coe is another guy that really, we need to talk about the defensive tackle because he looks ginormous, absolutely huge. He definitely is the guy who can lift the most on this team and he's going to hopefully make a next big step. And then we've been waiting on Jordan Kelly for a really long time too. him and Josh Ellison being seniors. They can hopefully move in and step into this new role and get some depth, um, you know, uh, at the defensive tackle and make some big plays. But I'm, I'm really excited to hear um, and see what Jeffrey Johnson does this season. Yeah, no, I mean, he was probably one of the more coveted players in the transfer portal this year. 
And, you know, looking at that film from the Tulane game last last year, he just straight up bullied that o, uh, that OU line um, on multiple occasions. And, you know, it's it's bad. Look, that line got bullied a lot. But when it when it's a, a Tulane guy doing that, you know, it's it, that 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 raises some eyebrows. So Johnson, you know, I, I think he's very exciting. I you know, I, I would highlight him as one of those guys who could really make an impact. But, you know, I everyone likes the new flashy thing. I personally think Jalen Redmond, if he can stay healthy, you know, avoid any issues with, you know, as we've mentioned, he has uh, issues with blood clotting, you know, is something that has kind of been brought up. Um, you know, if he can stay healthy and all that, I think he could be a major uh, impact player on the interior for sure. I think uh, Jeffrey Johnson, again, the Tulane transfer, uh, I want to sort of bring it back to him real quick. Uh, we have to mention that it, it already seems like he has great uh, chemistry or, or some sort of great bond already with, with Todd Bates. I know it's sort of old news. We've kind of discussed it before, but we have to mention again that that hilarious uh, announcement tweet of him coming to OU where he is down <laughs> on all fours in sort of a lineman position, but then coach Todd Bates is holding him back uh, sort of almost like a, I don't even know, like a wild like a Rottweiler about to attack. Yeah, <laughs> got that so dog in him. It is an amazing, and just both of them have their eyes just locked into the camera. It is, uh, it's definitely something you know, a little, a little different. But uh, you love the the goofiness, and you love to see that sort of bond. Because again, like we're talking about season zero with this OU team, it's all new. Obviously, some a lot of turnover parts, but building that culture is going to be a, a big thing. Lines are not necessarily something that you get overnight lines ch- championship winning lines offense or defense are grown you have to cultivate that you have to build that there is a whole lot of chemistry that goes on and a whole lot of coordination and, and teamwork within that line you can't just you know take a bunch of dudes that have never worked together and, and form an effective line even if they have great stats so you, you have to build that we do have a lot of seniority on this line especially with a lot of the the OU guys staying so Right now, I, I think it's it's realistic to say, uh, with this defensive line especially, I think we're at a, a good point in that it is not a stopgap. It's it's the line that we have, but it's not going to be our line that, that we're going to have for very long. So it's something that is going to be a mutually beneficial relationship between these players who are some now getting playtime that they've waited a long time for and, and building their resume for whatever they're doing after or maybe if they're not playing football after this. You know, they're still getting some snaps and getting to play their their senior season or whatever in college football. It's extremely special no matter how they're taking it. But also on the OU side, we can use these guys building their resume, building their playing time, whatever else, to sort of uh, set the groundwork for recruiting and for cultivating and developing our, our uh, whatever the football term would be for, for sort of our tactics and techniques for employing that line. Uh, so we're at a very exciting point, but it's not necessarily one that I think we should. O- OU fans is what I'm trying to say is no matter how this goes, don't get emotionally attached to to sort of the line that we have this next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think and- I think it's really key um, that you say that because there's obviously a lot of recruiting that goes into this. We're seeing right now with our current class, a lot of these high end guys, you know, think they can come in and start pretty quickly. Um, we have a lot of seniority, and that's good for a weaker position, even though it's not weak, our weaker position, the defensive line. Reggie Grimes being a junior, Ethan Downs is a very grown sophomore. He's very, you know, he's not your average sophomore. And Jalen Redman, you know, junior, and Jeff Johnson being transfer senior. Uh, Isaiah Coe being a senior, Jordan Kelly being a senior, Jonah Laulu being a senior, Marcus Stripling being a senior. We got a lot there. Um, so there's going to be a lot of overturn with this moving into the next season. But still, um, something that I'm not worried about being in, you know, our Achilles heel. Yeah, no, no, for sure. It's not it, like we've had units that have been just completely like, this is not functioning, you know, it, it, which look, they are, it, this isn't Ferrari. We don't have, this isn't a, st- or, you know, that actually probably is an insult to depending oh, on. Oh man, I was about to say, where, are we look, starting this? <laughs> hey, look, look, this is, this is, we, this is not a pack of Red Bulls. This might be like a reliable, like whatever Alpine has, but they're not like, you know, we're not rolling out like a bunch of Williamses. We're not rolling out the, the Haas cars, you know, like we used to in like 2017. This is a reliable car. 
a reliable vehicle that will get you somewhere in the middle. But, it, it, you know, you can't look at them and be like, hey, I expect you to run with the big dogs or be like the like the, the Dexter, you know, uh, the, the oh, he's in, going in intense levels of, you know, uh, what, what Clemson had. You know, that's just not, you know, they, they aren't that. Like you said, with recruiting, we've been we've been getting some legit dudes, um, you know, currently, uh, you know, uh, predicted or signed or whatever. Um, and, you know, things are going to things are going to be better. We are going to get Clemson level lines. This just isn't it yet. Ty, any rebuttal on uh, <laughs> on my car comps? Yeah, I, I don't necessarily know that our, our audience base is connecting with the F1 analogies. It seemed like we were kind of losing viewers by the second, but. <laughs> hey, hey, much worse than my uh, girlfriend analogy that I made last week, right? That was Hey, I got some feedback from one person that said they actually really liked it. So I'm just going to say that. Okay. <laughs> Good on you. Good hey. on you. Football fans, DraftKings changed the fantasy game forever in 2012. Now, 10 years later, they're doing it again with Rainmakers Football, their first ever NFT fantasy game, a new way to enjoy daily fantasy football, a new shot to win millions in prizes, and the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. Playing Rainmakers Football is simple. Buy, sell, bid, win player cards of the biggest names in the game through regular drops and auctions. Build your collection of football stars and enter free Rainmaker football contests all season long to compete for millions in jaw-dropping prizes. Each week, craft your lineups of athletes from your NFT collection and rack up points for touchdowns, receptions, and more, like you would in daily fantasy football. The next generation of fantasy sports is almost here. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now and sign up with promo code TPPN. Click the Rainmaker's tile and opt in so you can be ready for the next drop. Play free for millions in prizes all football season long and build the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers Football. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Yeah. Let's 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 move on to um, linebacker now. Um, obviously, linebacker uh is a really big point because uh, if your defensive line is not making the plays that they need to having a do it all guy who can make all of the tackles can kind of clean up some, some of the rough edges and any Stutzman looks like to be that beast. We talked about it whenever he came in as a freshman, this guy just plays like a psychopath running around the whole defense. And you can tell he just doesn't feel pain. He does not feel being tired. The man was playing with the brace on his elbow, which he pretty much, I'm pretty sure he just dislocated and just played with it for the rest of the season last year. Um, I think that he is going to make a huge jump this season. I think a lot of people um, that pay attention to OU also agree with me on that sentiment. And then on the other side, you know, with him, probably I'm guessing Danny Stutzman played the weak side um, and the middle linebacker. I think it's um, kind of a heads up. If it's, um, if, Danny Stutzman is not playing the middle linebacker and he's playing the will. I think that David Uguaybu would be our middle linebacker, but I could also see it switch around where Danny Stutzman plays the mic and Deshaun White plays the will. Um, but um, we'll have to see that moving forward. Yeah, no, it, that's definitely going to be a question um, for sure. I, I think Stutzman, you know, he's the guy who I think, you know, we're not getting to superlatives yet or like, you know, breakouts, but I, I think he is very, a very, very good candidate for someone who could really make that leap. And I, I feel like this coaching staff can really help him help him get that way. If you take a look at, you know, what you've seen, you know, with, um you know, kind of kind of these guys after summer conditioning, he is he's one of those dudes who's looking like a dude. Um, so, you know, I think I, I agree. I think Stutzman can take that leap. It's just a matter of where everyone fits. I think that's going to be really intriguing to see. I've got two really big points on, on the linebackers. My first point is a very sort of wave top analysis idea, but hopefully it resonates with, with some of our viewers, because I think I connect with the viewers in a sense that uh, Jamison, you and Bobby do not. And, and that's in, in the manner that you guys are, are much more into the weeds Damn. Uh, to this <laughs> stuff. And that's a, no, but that's a good thing, right? Because if all three of us were just sort of wave top, uh, 
you know, casual fans, it, it wouldn't make for very good content, but I'm sort of kept on board as that, uh, the, the sounding board for, does this make sense to someone that understands truly nothing about college football? That's, that's my role here. But, uh, when I, when I look at the linebackers to sort of read into that analysis, one of the things that really clicks is when we start to mention the names outside of Stutzman, who I'm about to talk about is it's a lot of familiar names. And that is a good thing when we're talking about a complete turnover here. So while everyone might have their individual gripes with each one of these players, it is it shows a, a obviously good retention, but we need to have that carryover. Uh, a lot of people would argue linebackers are are potentially the most important position on on the defense. Uh, obviously, there's arguments to be made across the board, but it is it's good to hear uh, just as a wave top analysis a lot of returning names because they're guys that have the relationships in the locker room that understand sort of how things have been done, have chosen to remain in this new system and, and that continuity is, is coming across. That's important. Uh, with Stutzman, I want to get on sort of my soapbox that I sort of make all the time about this is an entertainment business. It's not about, it's not actually about putting the ball in the end zone. Uh, obviously that okay. is ultimately what entertains people, but the objective of college football is not to play college football. It's entertainment. It's all about the fans. If there weren't mm. these massive fan bases that are entertained by it, right? We wouldn't have scholarship athletes. It would be IMs, uh, which are wildly entertaining also. But that's <laughs> that's sort of the basis. But Stutzman, I want to give him credit because I think he is what the future of college football is. He's an, he's an entertaining guy. He's a guy, he just has that sort of personality. I, are his X's and O's, his on-field performance? Is he the best linebacker on the team? I don't know. Yes. Uh, is he the best sort of athlete on the team? I don't know. But when you look at the full package, I really think he's – He's won a ton of money-making potential because of his personality. People haven't been exposed to it, really, because he he hasn't had the playtime yet. But he's not I, – I don't want to compare him to the B-word. Uh, obviously, we can read into that when it comes to entertaining OU linebackers that were good and also entertaining personalities. I'm never going to make that comparison <laughs> with anyone. But uh, you guys can sort of read it. Not, not, the, not the first word, <laughs> B-word, but we all know where I'm going with this. Um, but that's that's sort of similar, you know, with with what he's like in terms of his personality, and I think that's the future of uh, college athletes, and, and the future of of athletes as a whole is is that sort of more entertainer aspect. As we start to now, we're getting really high level because you guys are continuing to let me go. But the the all access idea of athletes and, and entertainers now, where there's they're on the field presence and in the press conferences, but also on their social media, on their if they have a YouTube page like like Hang Time or Punter, or if they have you know, they, they stream all the time. It's just you have that constant connectivity with these these people, and it's much more WWE-like, and Danny Stutzman more than anyone else on the SOU team plays into that. I'm going to cut myself off because you guys are going to let me go for two hours about the future of, of entertainment. <laughs> I, I I will I, – hey, no, I'm with you. I think he's very exciting, and I think that's a part of his charm for sure. Jameson, you oh, good there? God. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm just, I really enjoy that, um, Ty. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I, it's, I, it's really interesting to see what this middle linebacker and inside linebacking crew. Because to be honest, if I had it my way, what I want to see is I want to see Danny Stutzman be the mic. I think he can be the leader of the defense and be that middle linebacker all over the field kind of guy. Um, I think the weak side, you know, allows him to kind of showcase more of his athleticism and kind of a coverage guy. But to be honest with you, even though David Uwebe showed a lot of stuff early in his career and he's just a physical specimen, I do get a little bit worried about him being a handicap in the coverage side of things. We saw him get lost a lot in um, the scheme last year with Grinch, and I don't know if that was just because he wasn't catching onto the scheme, um, but it showed that you can kind of you know take advantage of him if you get him covered onto a running back. And that's just something I don't want to see again. With Deshaun White, I feel like he had a good couple of years whenever he was younger, but then he kind of went away for a bit. Um, so if I had it my way, I want to see um, Mike, uh, Danny Stutzman, Will, um, Deshaun White, but I would not be surprised if it's Uguaybu and Stutzman to actually start the season. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And you know, mm -hmm. just looking at this roster, it seems like it's it's a really young roster. I mean, if it, you you have. Or at least at the, in the linebacking core, you know, you have uh, Deshaun White and Ogwebu as the only seniors, the only true seniors for, uh, you know, on OU that didn't transfer. TD Roof uh, is a transfer, but it or is a senior, but transferred in from App State. So nice to have a Yosef player on uh, the Sooners. That's fun. But uh, a lot of freshmen, a lot of freshmen. So of 
the guys, let's say Jaron Kanak, Kobe McKenzie, and Kip Lewis, who do you think has most like is most likely to get burned um, to get some reps uh, in live action? It's got to be Jaron Kanak. I and this is where I want to move forward with with the cheetah role. I think Jaron Kanak is the guy that can be that cheetah. He might not be as much nickelbacky. Oh man, I don't I don't know how that came out, but it's getting like a nickelback. Um, but he, you know, is a perfect Sam kind of guy, and he's probably the closest thing you'll get to an Isaiah Simmons that we have on this roster, um, other than Harrington, who has quit football for a little bit. Um, so uh, I think that he could really get some run at the back of roll with that cheetah. But right now, I think we kind of have to hedge our bets and put a nickelback in that position who has a good football IQ and gets in the right place a lot of the times, but not might not be the sexiest player in Justin Broyles. I think Justin Broyles really made an improvement last year. He was the type of guy two years ago that I was worried that he's just going to get burned over and over. And maybe that LSU game um, in Atlanta really kind of tarnished my thoughts of him, but I thought he played really well last year. And I think even though he doesn't fit the exact mold of what we see as a cheetah moving forward in this Brent Venable scheme, I think he's a really good stopgap, and I think he'll make a lot of good plays at that position. Yeah, and I will say about Broyles, um, you can tell that Venables really does have a lot of you know admiration for the guy. I believe he was one of the few people he took to media day uh, as one of the leaders of the team. Uh, so... I think that's something that's that's um, that's a good observation for sure. Yeah, uh, real quick, Jamison, you said uh, Justin Broyles may not be the sexiest player. Who is in your opinion, <laughs> the, the sexiest player on the defense? Obviously, we're talking about the defense today. So uh, I already talked about how big Isaiah Coe's biceps were. So does that count? Okay. <laughs> like so much can... like Bobby at the start of the episode, it's, <laughs> it is in some ways a size thing for you as well. <laughs> well, hold on. We'll think about Danny Stutzman and in, in that stash, though. But dude, have you seen his picture that he took for like, you know, in the suits for like his, you know, a headshot? You could tell he had been like up all night drinking and just rolled out of bed with no, did not do his hair and his hair was like sideways. <laughs> so Bobby with that, well, you say that, but it could also be a, I don't, I don't know if y'all did this, uh, Jameson, but I know it was, it was sort of commonplace for say fraternity uh, composites to oh to sort of God. get a black eye or deliberately look a certain way in your picture uh, just for the meme. So that it could also be that, but yeah, you that's probably know. honestly it. Stutzman. It could be anything. Uh, but I, I think, yeah, I really do like an act Bobby to answer your past question, even though we kind of talked about the cheetah. I think he shows a lot um, in terms of just being a physical specimen. He does not look like a freshman. And also it just seems like he's been performing really well in camp from what I've been reading on like message boards. Um, so I'm excited to see him in that position, kind of a change of pace from Broyles to be more of a Sam type rather than a nickelback at that cheetah. Um, but other than that, uh, I'm excited to see Shane Witter too. Um, feel like he's a guy who's got the speed um, and he might not have really kind of made his mark yet on this defense whenever we thought that we could kind of got a diamond in the rough whenever we recruited him. Um, I think he might show a little bit here and there with a little bit of the inside linebacker, and I'd hope he might get some role at the Cheetah. Um, but let's move on. Let's talk about the defensive backs um, to end off this uh, defensive depth chart preview, and then we can kind of talk about some overriding themes and expectations for this defense moving forward into the season. Um, let's first talk, um, start talking about the cornerbacks, and I think this might be the most interesting competition um, out of the whole defensive 11. Um, I'm one cornerback. I think it's Woody Washington. There's no conversation. He obviously had solidified himself a couple of years ago as that guy and has not looked back. Um, but now at that second cornerback, I think there's a conversation. DJ Graham, yes, he made a very big, you know, play in the Texas game and he always made the flashy play, but he got burned a lot. He really did. And now he's got a lot of competition behind him. Um, Josh Eaton continues to make strides. Jaden Davis has been here for a long time and he's a senior. Um, Kendall Dennis is finally getting some run, got an interception one of, in one of the practices. And it seems like he'd been hiding, you know, in Grinch's scheme for the longest time whenever he was a guy that one is, was recruited because he got so many interceptions in high school. And then we also got to talk, you know, guys like CJ Colden and Morrison from uh, North Carolina. Uh, those are guys that have plenty of experience and should be getting run. And then 
another transfer that a lot of people I know I keep on going. There's so much competition at this cornerback position. Kenai Walker from Louisville is a guy that was getting a lot of good um, hype from the spring saying this guy could actually be the starter at that number two cornerback. So to be completely honest with you, I still think it's DJ Graham to start the season, but I think he loses it to one of these guys. I mean, it's a, it's, I, it's, I wouldn't call it like a stacked group. Cause I don't think there's, you know, just like a bunch of guys who are really, really good. But I think it's it's definitely like really, really even. I think it's going to be a, a battle all season long. Um, I, I don't think, like you said, I, I think Graham, you know, he had his moments. You know, obviously that Nebraska catch was really cool. But, you know, like oh, you said, I said he tech, I, wasn't it Texas. I, I said it was Texas Nebraska. Yeah, because yeah, what was something? Did, he, did something big I happen? Think he got was, I think Nebraska. I think yeah, I got burnt I, against Texas. That's that's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah, he got burnt against Texas and made that big one-handed catch against Nebraska at home uh, when he probably should have dropped it. Lincoln didn't Lincoln like try to like challenge <laughs> challenge <laughs> interception, <laughs> try to take his pick away. Uh, it's funny, um, but no, I, I think that rotation is going to be really good. It's going to be a battle, and you know, um, I would. I'm with you. I think I would expect to see DJ Graham out there against UTEP, um, you know, starting, but uh, we'll see. It's a long camp. It's a long camp for sure. Uh, I think when I look at the the cornerbacks specifically, um, the first thing that, that really comes to mind that we didn't touch on is they were, I don't want to say always, they were very frequently starting from a position of disadvantage. Obviously, it's a skill on skill position, but looking at, at the schemes and the overriding defensive scheme and the idea and the plays and just sort of our overall defensive performance, coaching-wise and strategy-wise, uh, which I would term strategy is, is everything you know left of or prior to the initial kick, and then we're coaching after that. But they were very often in a position of disadvantage, so I, I think it will be very difficult to judge future performance with this incoming uh, completely different defense based on, on what happened last time. Cause ultimately not to diminish their job, but for the line, their schemes might change, but their job doesn't really change. And I guess it, to some extent, every position group, the job doesn't fundamentally change ever, but the, the cornerbacks especially were in a rough spot uh, schematically a lot of, of the time in our past defense. So I think that's an important caveat to, to look at them, but like we're talking about DJ Graham, again, the biggest name. I, I think he is the expectant starter. And all three of us mentioned it, or both of you guys mentioned it. I'm going to mention it again. Can't talk about him without talking about the catch. It's on every college game day intro, every ESPN college football preview, all over, all the time. That will always stick with him. You know, just tremendous feat of athleticism. But again, like we talked about, was it the smartest move? Objectively, no. Uh, but that can't be taken away that that feat of athleticism. So you you have to mention that he was burned a lot, and we made this, or I made this comparison, or one of us made this comparison last season. He is almost like a less skilled, but also again in a worse position, Zach Sanchez, to use a name that we should all be familiar with. He was one of those guys that was always going for it. You know, he will always throw away whatever the scheme is for personal gain for going for that interception um, <laughs> if he can. But here's the difference. Zach Sanchez was much better at getting that interception and he was much better at actually playing the position, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know about this one tie. You're going to have to convince me. You don't, you don't like it. I I think, I think he is, you know, a similar, uh, I'm talking about just his mentality, right? If, if he can just completely abandon his assignment for personal gain, he'll do it. I disagree. I think that whenever you're going for an interception, even so if it's just fourth bad. down, you're just you're just playing with that. I think more so, you know, this, say like Jordan Thomas and Zach Sanchez is of the past. I think those are pure cornerbacks, um, but obviously they just had a lot of faults. I think DJ Graham, mm-hmm. kind of what it comes down to is he came in as an athlete and he played, you know, wide receiver and D back. And we didn't know what he was going to be until his freshman year. And all of a sudden he played really well as a freshman, which we've seen from all kinds of OU defensive backs in the past. Seems like their greatest freshman. You know, it happened with Jaden Davis. Um, then all of a sudden, we just start to see them fall down the depth chart a little bit. Um, to be honest with you, it does not help coming in to this defensive back room as an athlete, and your coach at that position was a linebacker's coach. 
he was not coached well to succeed and maintain stability as a cornerback. But now that Jay Valais here, that's a completely different story. So we should be hopefully not seeing those things in the past where guys get burned continuously at the cornerback position and people will play with more, you know, um, you know, actual good, uh, what is the word footwork in uh scheme? I'm losing so a word here. I Boy, think man. we are. Jeez. I think, I think we're saying the same thing. I, I think you're saying it at, at sort of a a twelfth grade level, and I'm I'm saying it at like a fourth grade level. But I, no, I think you're you're saying it's his page. choice. I'm saying it. It was well, not I, his I, fault. I went on a two minute sort of uh, pre monologue about how they were most often in a bad position, and that's that's. The, mm-hmm. But you said you were doing it for like his gain. I think like when you're out there on the field, you don't think obviously. Well, when you go when, when you have an assignment. And you think you can get an interception and you throw it away to go get burned on a silly trying to go for an interception. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, I don't know. I'm not I trying to getting... argue, but I, I think that is a, you're making a decision for it's a, you know, you're throwing away your assignment for, for personal gain, which if you're Zach Sanchez and you're really good at doing that comparatively, you know, and you get the interceptions a lot of the time, it sometimes can even out. Like I swear he would get, he would give up a touchdown once a game but he'd also get an interception once a game and it's sort of balanced out because interceptions look really cool on highlight reels. DJ Graham kind of tries to do the same thing, but he's only got one cool highlight reel interception and then just a lot of giving up touchdowns. It's like in, um, you know, the old NCAA 14 game, you know, how you can play like play for the pick, but you get burnt more often, you know, you can adjust yeah. how mm-hmm. your defense plays. I, I just sim the defense, but yeah. <laughs> I love playing defense on NCAA <laughs> more than offense, but that's just me. Um, but I, I think I think more so the difference between the two. If, say, if DJ Graham was doing this whenever he's a senior um, and he's getting burned, he's hopping routes. I agree with you, Ty. But right now, I think that he just didn't have, you know, like the footwork and the ability to play the cornerback and that knowledge um, that he should have been taught um, throughout his time as a underclassman at OU. That absolutely was stunted by having one of the, you know, handicaps of this defense in Roy Manning. Roy Manning, as soon as we hired him, I said, this is not good. It's not good. He's never coached the defensive backs. Um, But maybe we'll see. And he continued to show that he was not developing our guys. Our position group continuously got worse in the secondary. Um, So Jay Valet obviously has a lot of clout at that position coming from Alabama. And I expect improvement. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I fully, fully agree with you. Um, Want to move on to the safeties? Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk about the safeties. Um, just kind of finish everything out here. Um, I think this is probably what I feel is like the most solid of a group where I don't think these guys are going to get benched um, for a player that's behind them. Um, I think Billy Bowman at the strong safety um, will finally come into you know his skin and be that guy, that mega athlete that can make plays um in this new scheme especially away from the Grinch and Manning um that threw him all over the field never really let him settle in as a true freshman um he kind of found his home at the end as a safety and I think he'll do really net well next to <laughs> RIP DTY um shout out Ty um and I, I really he think gets that, my game uh, ball of the season by the way yeah damn uh, right. also yeah he inspired quick, this generation quick note RIP DTY as you can see he's not dead uh, just graduated but uh, RIP <laughs> that's <was>. good <laughs> you have a really really special skill of saying RIP people that are still alive and then talking about people that are dead that are and conversely. <laughs> yep. Yes. You, yes, you but just never get it right. Uh, but the uh. other guy in the safety room that honestly, I think could be the leader and probably already is the leader of this defense is key Lawrence at the safety position. Um, transfer from Tennessee, mega athlete. And he was, you know, our one shining moment of that. Um, not the ironic version of that one shining moment, like legitimately our one shining moment of that secondary last year, whenever he got thrusted into competition, he played really well at the safety. Then we moved him to the cornerback and he continued to do really well. I think you put him at the free safety, let him, you know, kind of be that leader of the defense, be that ball hawk, go sideline to sideline. I feel really confident in the safety group. Yeah, no, for sure. It's, it, it's, it's pretty stacked. I, I really, really like it. Um, Bowman, you know, I, I'm excited to see him, his development as a sophomore as well. Plus, you know, after seeing what, you know, Jada Coleman did uh, this year for OU softball, hopefully, you know, now there's know, he's, something. Like, he's like, oh, well, damn, I'm not even the most famous one. In, I'm not the most famous one in this relationship right now. I need to step my game up, maybe. 
Um, you know, obviously we talked about Justin Broyles a little bit earlier as well, but I got to say, if, if we, we, we've talked about the Schmitty effect. Have you seen what Jordan Mukes looks like right now? My huge. God. He's huge. He comes because he came in just like as a basketball player. And, and now you just get a hold of like a really good strength and conditioning program. Like this is what they envisioned in this guy recruiting him. He has got a frame and he's got so much athleticism. He's going to be fun a couple of years. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But he, I, I know he's not like ready now. Cause like you well, said, I guess in one year, honestly, yeah. could be next I mean, year. He's a, he's a sophomore. And you know, if you need a guy to get, ro- you know, some rotation in there, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty damn good. So for sure. I think a Key Lawrence is really the name that, that jumps out to me, much like a a professional uh, nice lady from OKC who went on a bachelorette party. He came back from Nashville. He's coming back to Oklahoma to get to work, and that's he's gonna. <laughs> I think he's gonna put in some work. This is the year. I'm known for cursing players by announcing that that this is their year, but I have so many. Uh, defensive keys to the game puns lined up <laughs> that are all just iterations of keys to the game. Uh, this so is I just really, lining really up. He's the new DTY to, to come together. No, he's not the new DTY. He's <laughs> he's the new uh, Marcus Major defensively. Oh, oh no! Unfortunately <laughs> for him, for people just now listening, Ty has had this minor hard on for Marcus Major for the longest time. He's been hoping for. Him I have not. That. It's like it's like my <laughs> when I and this one was atrocious because it it went on forever. But uh, when I made a wild, just ridiculous, just to be funny announcement uh, that I liked Derek King to win the Heisman as a freshman, and then he continued to play. <laughs> for like seven more years in college. And then I had to ride that take his entire career because I was committed to it. That's what happened with a Marcus major that like two years ago when he was like a freshman, I was like, yeah, he's going to, he's going to be a freshman and, and outperform everyone. And now I've had to ride that like take, uh, which I will continue to have to, to carry <laughs> through this year. So. Incredible. Incredible. Um, yeah, I think that's all we have for our position breakdowns. Jameson, any final thoughts or anything? No, I, I say we go over some overriding themes. You got any good uh, questions for us, Bobby? Yeah, no, absolutely. So overriding themes. Um, well, let's let's see here. So of the of the units we've talked about, I think we all kind of agreed strongest is secondary um, by far. But who do you think is going to be kind of the breakout star on the defense this year? Yeah, I'll take this one first, Ty. Um, kind of not talking about Key Lawrence because I feel like he kind of already broke out last year. Um, and I feel like the easy answer that everyone's going to say is Ethan Downs just because he's such a lovable type of guy. I really think Reggie Grimes can be set up for a really good year. I don't think he gets enough love because everyone loves Ethan Downs' style of working hard and, you know, gets his nose in the dirt. And, you know, he seems like he's that guy. He's in the like the latest one in practice each day. I think Reggie Grimes got a lot of talent. I saw a lot of really good things from him last year. I think that, you know, he's a great pass rusher and he got a lot of forced fumbles too that I noticed. He could be a good momentum changer. And I think having him on the other side, the defensive end um, next to Ethan Downs, I think that's going to be a fun group to watch. But I really do like Reggie Grimes a lot. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, I I think that D-line unit by the end of the season is going to be pretty damn fun. I think it's going to, t- uh, to take some time and, you know, really just it, it's not ready yet but by the end of the season i think it's going to be one that's really good so i will say if there are if you if you're watching OU and the defensive line's not good and you're like oh i thought brent was a good defensive line guy chill out so it's gonna be fine just be patient because I, I i i'm with you i think grimes is gonna be very good there um ty you're your uh i guess projected breakout uh player of the season so I have to first. I have to predicate based on my previous monologue. This is a serious take, uh, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Danny Stutzman for a special reason, and that is, I've been, I've been, as you guys would say, in the tea leaves. I've been intercepting various, uh, you know, bits of of what we would call signals intelligence, electronic signals, things publishing, aka I've been watching YouTube videos, uh, and specifically. <laughs> Uh, hang time on YouTube, and and he has been covering sort of the inner inner the locker room. Obviously, that's that's Michael Turk, our punter. Uh, if you're not familiar, he he has sort of a YouTube vlog or whatever thing. I guess he's still living in in 2013. But 
Uh, Danny Stutzman has has been on there pretty frequently, and as everyone probably knows, he I don't he, he's never had a snap in a game, has he? Or if he has, it's been very minor sort of garbage time. What? Uh, no, no. Danny Stutzman played a it's lot of big games. Completely last year. off on that one. Okay. Well, yes. Even prior to that, now that I've completely discredited everything that I've been saying, <laughs> um, but even prior to that, uh, he's always been sort of a a a not culture, but a, a mood setting force, I guess, mm-hmm. in the locker room. He's been a guy that that's been able to take up some some leadership or some he's a he's been a voice that everyone else in the locker room has listened to even prior to him really playing, which is very, very, very rare uh mm-hmm. at this level. It's, it's it's like almost unheard of that a guy that doesn't really get any playtime. Obviously I guess he did, but it you know I completely dropped the he ball was starting take. At but the even end of the even yeah but even prior to that before he was he was getting playtime he was someone that people in the locker room were listening to and that that is something truly special and and I think right there could be a thing where regardless of, of on field play and stats uh if he can sort of back up that he could be a, a guy that maybe isn't the biggest star, but is having sort of outsized impact on on influence, influencing the people around him, having that sort of good teammate effect, uh, mm-hmm. as I would like to say. And, and that's something that, that you don't necessarily see uh, when you're watching the games, but it's something that, that is absolutely happening behind the, behind the curtain, you know, and even subconsciously for everyone. Everyone that you're around in a team environment is either adding to or detracting from the effectiveness of that team. And I think he's someone that has an exponential positive impact on the team, at least from what I can tell. So I think that I agree. when he starts to back up some good on the field, you know, starting to get to star level play, um, not to jinx him there, but I think it's going to be, you know, a, he's going to be what uh, in the animal kingdom is called a, a uh, I, I believe it's a keystone predator. So it's not necessarily the, the um, the apex predator, which obviously is the one at the top, the one that eats everything, but a, a keystone predator, I think I'm getting that term correct, is a, a predator that has an outsized impact. It's something really small uh, that, that takes down things larger than it. Uh, I think a, a pythons, I believe, and, and eagles uh, are considered keystone predators. So they can take out almost anything. They're not necessarily the apex, but nothing else is hunting them. And and uh, they have an outsized impact on on their place of the food chain. So that's where I see Danny Stutzman and a uh, quick uh, zoology lesson in there as well. I love it. I love it. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, talked about him a little earlier. I think Billy Bowman really takes the leap this year. Um, more stability, obviously, uh, being a sophomore, that helps a lot. Um, and, you know, frankly, he just, he, he you can, if you look at him, he's, he's like Jordan Mukes, is one of those guys who just looks like, he just looks like he's just completely changed over this off season. Um, I think the coaching staff change is going to help him out a lot. And I think that consistency of not having to move around, um, you know, between corner and safety and back and forth. And I, I think that's going to be really beneficial for him. Uh, so I think, I think we see a lot of um, a lot of this player who, you know, we really hyped going in, really thought he could make a big impact and, you know, you know, didn't quite hit there. I think he hits there this year. So I'm, pu- I'm putting my money on Bowman. Um, also, uh, is he returning punts? Did we have we confirmed that? That's that's a big question. I feel like we never really get to know who's our punt returner and kick returner until like it's too late. Um, one thing we did let know with Lincoln Riley, they typically would put you know your most sure-handed wide receiver back there. So I'd see Marvin Mins being a punt returner. Um, but at kick returner, he was out there a lot. So I wouldn't be surprised seeing him kind of in the back kick returner because you know in high school. Big time playmaker. Um, I could see. Mm, I Eric graded it a little bit last year. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw like a Gavin Sawchuck back there just to kind of give him some run and Billy Bowman. Um, those are some names I think that could be a possible um, kickoff returner. But punt returner, maybe I think it would be a wide receiver. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Mims. Could JJ be- Hester too, nineteen eighty two. I think that's a big time name. He'd be fun. Um, he's going to be a fun name to talk about as wide receiver. Um, there's a lot of guys that can, you know, kind of take a huge jump. And he's a guy who's been getting a lot of really good um, uh, reports in this spring and summer practice. So, um, yeah, we'll talk about that next week whenever we break down the offense. For sure. For sure. I, I will say real quick on, on kick and pump return, we, we're so thin in, in some areas. I would not expect Stoops and Mims for sure 
and I would not expect Eric Gray. Either. I wouldn't expect any RBs, really, mm, probably. I would I love agree. someone named Hester returning kicks or punts just on <laughs> – on this, just, you know, the tiny bit of the little sliver of tons of mental gymnastics meta there. Uh, <laughs> that's, we got to go for that, right? Like that's oh, right. That's oh, when yeah. you're picking horses for the Kentucky Derby, you know, when you see one that's like, it's named like a sea biscuit, but it's spelled slightly differently. And you're like, oh yeah, I've got to go. I've got to go for that one. Might be like, a, you know, since we already, we already broke the, uh, <laughs> the seal with F1 analogies might be a Mick Schumacher situation. Nice. But, uh, <laughs> wait, wait, just gotta go wait. With the meta. has anyone ever uh, named a horse limp sea biscuit? I like, just was so, thinking like, about sea biscuit with a Z with <laughs> like limp biscuit. Is it? I just oh. started laughing to myself. I was thinking sea biscuit, but it starts with a T like a tsunami, but yeah, <laughs> I think at a, I think biscuit. at a higher level than you guys, and it has been proven. You know, you're just on a higher plane. You know, yeah, that's, it's oh like a, I'm on a podcast with single cell <laughs> organisms here. Uh, that's <laughs> funny. One last question in this pod. Yeah, um, one last question in this pod. I, I want to hear your both of y'all's thoughts, um, and then we'll kind of go into closing remarks. Um, what kind of level do you think this defense can be? Can this be a top thirty defense? Can this be? you know, even top 20, or do you think it's safer to say top 40-esque defense? Do you do you think we have um, the scheme plus the players to have some national attention and respect? I I mean, I, I, I think certainly it, 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 as a personnel, personnel-wise, it's taken a dip from last year. Um, mm-hmm. Coaching has not. Um how good the, that coaching can get them, I, I'm not sure. I, I think the scheme alone is going to help out a lot. I think this is a unit that starts out kind of in the 30s, you know, and then, you know, by the end of the season, I, I could I could see it, you know, I'm, you know me, I'm optimistic as hell. I could see it being top 15 by the end of the year. Wow, but, um, that's a big time yeah. move. I, I think it's all about the amount of time it takes. Um and I, I don't know. I, I just think, I think this year, looking at specifically looking at the other offenses in the Big Twelve, I'm not, I'm not okay, too terribly, I'm not too terribly, you know, it's, it's not, you know, Purdy's gone. Uh, you, you lose a little bit there from Baylor as <laughs> That's well. That's the first name that you think of in well, terms of being scared of the. <laughs> okay, maybe not, maybe not scared, but I'm Bruce talking about. Hall, I was just talking about. We like, could talk about Bruce Hall yeah. instead. Okay, fair. I, I just thought yeah. he was Mr. Irrelevant in the NFL draft. Bruce okay. Hall was, you know, number one running back. Okay, good point. Good point. I'm just I think I'm not I'm not that afraid of the Big 12 offenses this year. I think it's not going to be too bad. Uh even though Brock Birdie, noted NPC, uh, is no longer here. So I, I don't know. I, I I think overall just the offensive talent has kind of dipped a bit. Uh, obviously can be concerned about Texas. I'm not really that concerned about Texas. Um but you know that's one game. So I, I think overall it's going. To, it's a more it's a more defensive conference, and you know I, I don't think we're going to have to worry about the Bean Man dropping you know two hundred yards on us like he did uh, against you know in, in the OU Kansas game this year. I, I don't think that will happen. There are going to be issues, yeah. But I think by the end of the year, I th- it's going to be a really sharp, really really sharp um, uh, defense. So again, I'm optimistic though. So I could be I could be wrong. I, I once said that Buki, uh, that Buki, uh, Brennan Radley, Radley Hiles was going to win uh, player of the year. Uh, and that was wrong. So, you know, these preseason picks are, can be weird. <laughs> Ty. What okay. Do you well, think? yeah, Jamison, you broached the question. So I will, I will yeah. go now. Uh, so I think quick, quick response, you know, cowboy style uh, shooting from the hip uh, to Bobby. I don't think we'll be a top, 15 defense by a lot of people's metrics because there are always those teams that not to already sound like an sec uh fan but they don't play anyone and just have these ridiculous like inflated like there's a team with just a trash defense that plays in the group of five that's always like oh they're top five in defense because they don't allow like you know whatever school that doesn't even fund their football team to uh, you know, score touchdowns on them or whatever. So I, the top 15, I think is kind of rough for me because there's a lot of really established, you know, a lot of people, but I, I think we're, I think we could be realistically a top 25 uh, team. So obviously I've sort of painted myself into a, a range of 10 there, which probably wasn't wise uh, for, for how accurate I am. But I, I think it comes down to, we're not going to have the best players. We're not going to have the best stars necessarily. And that's not to detract from anyone. 
but uh, you know, but star power, uh, I guess, to use the video game term, uh, matters to, to a big extent in college football. And we're not going to have an established system, but I think we have enough time and enough buy-in and enough skill and ability on our team to do what we do with very little defect. And if I if I know Brent Venables, if what I've been studying and and learning about uh, Brent Venables is is true and, and what he's going to try to implement on the defense, he's not going to come in like not to name any names, but maybe the the new staff at USC and try to shoot for the moon uh, year one, because he knows that when you're talking about building a powerhouse, which, you know, a lot of people say, Oh, don't jinx it, but that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to build the next Bama, the next Clemson. That is our goal. We are the university of Oklahoma. Um, You're not going to get everything year one. You shouldn't expect that, but what you can do is build, you know, increments each year. And like we talked about our, our line, especially is a very short term when it comes to the guys. Uh, we're going to have a lot of turnover. The, the linebackers are uh, very excited about that because maybe we have a little bit more continuity there. The the secondary, you know, that one's hard to tell because of just how much skill that position requires. But I think if what we choose to do, we do it well with very little or minimal uh, defects, we could really find ourselves in the top 25 because things like we talked about, because the sort of expected down year for offenses in the Big 12 Again, we're week zero. Who knows what's going to occur? Um, there's always breakout stars every year. That's that's the nature and what makes it fun. But I think that if we have realistic expectations and, and good implementation of realistic goals, which I think 100% we're going to have that, we have the skill and ability to execute that good enough. It's It's not about being the best at everything. You just have to be, you know, well, obviously you have to be good enough to win every game. But uh, it's it's a in a term in my last job we like to use a lot is is just brilliance in the basics. There's nothing fancy about it. Tackle good. Don't get exposed. Don't blow your assignments. And you know, it's a, a defensively. It's really if you have those three things. If you never blow assignments or, or very rarely do. If you never miss tackles or very rarely do. And if you just have good fundamentals, even if you have a really really bad scheme you're still going to do really well in, in college football, especially with, with you know, the, the wide variance of, of play and skill, especially within the Big 12. So I think top 25 is not unrealistic. I hope I didn't get jinxed here, and, and I know I went long, but I think top 25 mm-hmm. is very, very realistic. But, I, again, wouldn't be surprised if it didn't happen. But uh, I, I think we will certainly be top half for sure. For sure. Yeah, sure, I good. agree. I think I think top thirty, if we're top thirty, we'll be very happy moving into the season. So I think both of y'all <clears throat> have very optimistic takes too. Um, but overall, I yeah, I think this was a really good pod. Uh, breaking down the defensive line um, was a lot of fun because that's going to be a really fun group to watch. And then the rest of the defense, it should be pretty good. Uh, so if you guys like this content, if you're new here, definitely subscribe um, because we'll be breaking down the offense next week. And there is a couple of names that I think could break out, be that type of guy in the offense uh, that maybe not as many people are thinking about. Uh, so we'll dive into that next week. And then moving on, we'll have some more fun. Um, I'm preparing a OU Sooners trivia battle um, where Bobby will take on um, an opponent that to be determined. Um, I Ty, you can not probably... Me. No, not me. <laughs> I, I don't want you to <laughs> go against Bobby. Easy. Um, Too easy of I'll, a win, I'll be, probably. I'll be working on that, and that'll be a really fun way to um, kind of remember what happened last season and kind of get you up to date and ready for the season right before week zero hits. Um, so I got that in the works. So if you like this kind of content that we're putting, hit up the su- subscribe button, in, and we'll be having some really good content the next couple weeks. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it, it's the final run here. We're about to just really be – full speed ahead when it comes to football season we're really pumped and um you know let's be honest last year we kind of came in strong after you know the whole lincoln thing so we're happy to have all y'all uh, with us and we, we appreciate everyone who watched us live uh on youtube as well so uh, subscribe if you like the if you if you want to see us live you want to see it first that's where to find us uh we're usually broadcasting uh either 7 p.m central or 8 p.m central uh, on Sundays. So, and we got our SEC preview coming up too. So a lot of really exciting stuff, uh, down the pipeline here for the schooner pod. So, uh, Ty, any final things you want to say before we uh, head out? 
Yeah, just a real quick thank you to all of our our viewers and listeners. You guys are not why we do it. We do it because uh, Bobby has blackmail information on both Jameson and I, uh, and he loves <laughs> nice. this, and he, he makes us do this. <laughs> but it is a positive that you guys listen to this uh, as well. So, uh, it, but really, we it's all about it's all about the, the viewers and special shout out. I do heart uh, our lone sponsor, DraftKings. Uh, they pay us a, a very meager sum of three pence a day. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> they actually that's that's true. They pay us in old English pence. It's very difficult to convert those coins uh, into American money. We're taxed like seventeen times on it. Uh, it's, it's rather absurd. Uh, oh my God. But um, one day we will get the courage to go to DraftKings and ask for our second bowl of porridge for all of our hard work. Oliver so Twist reference. You were not expecting business. an Oliver Twist reference. In uh, no, this I was college not. football podcast, I was but not. we are That's... we are learned individuals, so uh, we will continue with these uh, wise references. That's incredible. That's incredible. Well, folks, thanks again for listening. Uh, whether it be on YouTube or the next day on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. we'll see you soon. And have a good week, everyone. Boomer sooner. <laughs>